We've been talking about love and how things go without love and why we need love. Um, I think Robert, from the bottom of his heart, meant what he said was that you you love me and you've received me. Um, I will compliment you again. What most visitors say is how loving our congregation is. I want to encourage you again that it just not be a surfacey thing, but that we dare to risk asking the uh, one extra question or shaking a hand and spending just one more moment, not to say, hey, how are you doing? Are you new? Well, God bless you. We're so glad to have you. But just stick around just a little bit longer. Where are you from? How many kids have you got? Did you know we have life groups? Hey, I've got a child that same age. Do you hear me? Be willing to take it one more step. Let's not just do the surfacey thing. Let's really get down deep. I don't know if when I'm coming around shaking your hands, I'm in a hurry, but I try hard to ask you about you. Those of you that I know the most, I probably abuse you. I probably don't give you the time of day. I was sitting there thinking about Wayne and Cindy and how I love them and what a big part of their life they are. But I don't think I ever shake your hand, Cindy, ever. And that, that's wrong. You know, I'm always hunting out the new people. But I need, I need, I'm, I'm sorry I singled you out. But, you know, I, I want to do better and I want to see us as a church do better. And I don't want what happened this morning to be a one-time deal. I want this to be a, a life change. Amen. Am I babbling? I don't mean to babble. I take that as yes, you are babbling, Pastor. So I'll move on. Loving like Christ. You know what's so amazing is that God gives us the ability to love like he did, like he does, like Jesus did here on this earth. We have that. Do we exercise that all the time? No, we don't. But we do have that ability. It's amazing that God's given us that ability to love just like he loved. Amen? We talked last week. Was it last week? The week before. Last week was Super Bowl. About Paul giving us this portrait of love. And it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, If I have not love, I am nothing. Do you remember what all he compared it to? He compared it to prophecy. If you could prophesy the future. Just like that. Somebody walks up to you and wants to say, What's going to happen tomorrow? And you could respond. What's going to happen with the stock market tomorrow? And you could respond. What about the economy? And you could respond. What about in, in a year from now? And you could respond. It says, if you have not love, you're nothing. You remember what else he said? If you understood all mysteries, I compared it to the cure for cancer. If you have not love, you're nothing. All knowledge. Something that just impressed me so much about Robert and Dana is their education level. Blows me away bachelor's degree, uh, master's degree, EDS degree, and now about to be a PhD. But without love, you're nothing. And then finally, your possessions, and what I thought was the biggest one, was faith. If you have all faith to move mountains, if you have not love, you're nothing. Can we see the importance of love. 
Without love, you are spiritually dead. We saw this a couple weeks ago, too. It says in 1 John 3, 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. I believe that's what was released in this place this morning, was a love for the brethren. If love is lacking, we are dead. Unless we love, we are not the sons and daughters of God. 1 John 4, 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. To be honest with you, I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting you to get serious with this. I know that most of you have heard this over and over and over. But has it made an impact in your life yet? It's time that love, this love scripture makes an impact in your life. Robert talked about coming into church and focusing on God and not all your other junk. It's time we come into church and focus on God. We are praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit every single Monday. And to be honest with you, I try to pray it every single day. But until our focus is totally on God in unity, in one accord, I don't see it happening. He wants us together. And when we get together, the power is going to come. So we move on to how uh, love is described by the Apostle Paul. Paul gave us 14 definitions in the portrait of love. The first seven deal with you. And the last seven deal with other people. And we're going to look at a few of these uh, definitions tonight. First one is love is patient. Patient love endures. It never gets tired of waiting. Patient love never gives up. It doesn't give up on an alcoholic wife or a drug-addicted son or a loveless marriage. Love locks its jaws and refuses to give up. Are you impatient? Do you stand in front of the microwave and scream, hurry up? Do you get frustrated waiting on your instant coffee? If you've ever heard this, an American attitude toward waiting has been reflected in the sign that says, Antiques manufactured here while you wait. You know, we can't hardly understand a God that's powerful and patient. When God does not do what we want, we get fidgety and fretful. We want what we want, and we want it when we want it. And if God doesn't give it to us right then, we scream, God, you don't love us. It's like a child that throws a fit when they don't get what they want in Walmart. Well, Mommy, you must not love me. Wrong response. You know, I just want to respond just the opposite. No, because I love you, I'm not getting this for you. And I'm also not going to let you manipulate me. Do you hear that? We, we try to twist it. God, you must not love me because you're not giving me this that, I'm, that, I'm, that I think that I should have. Love it. We, we, we love impatiently. But I want you to catch something. God's delays are not 
God's denials. In fact, God's delays are not God's delays. Let me just blow your mind for just a minute. It's not a delay to God. It's going to happen right on time. God's timing is right on time. It is for our benefit. Greatness, catch this, greatness is slow to anger. Men, when we lose our temper, we are the opposite of greatness. Greatness is slow to anger. And a part of the greatness of God is his eternal patience. And do you know he wants you to be patient? God looks at patience in the plan of salvation. God sent Moses to Israel and Moses was rejected. God sent prophets and they were stoned. God sent kings and they became corrupt. Saul went to the witch of Endor. David was seduced by Bathsheba. Solomon's wife led him to idolatry. Finally, finally, God sent his only begotten son, not on a white horse, not pushing and shoving humanity like a supreme sultan, not strutting around like some supreme commander, but he came in Bethlehem in a manger in swaddling clothes. You see, God never tried to force it down our throats. Never. It's not his character. He came gently. And praise God, he's patient with me. Praise God, God's not impatient with me. You know, sometimes it's just easy to be patient with your kids. You know, they're trying to do something they've never done before. And you know what? As as fathers or as parents, we can just think, man, they're so cute. But can you imagine a child that can't can't do it, doesn't even know how? Let's say let's say uh, I've used this example: ride a bike. Can you imagine me drill, being a drill sergeant, teaching my kid to ride a bike and screaming at her and yelling at her everything she's doing wrong and just beating her down? God doesn't do that. God's like, get right back on there. I'm going to hang on to you. I even hold her hood, and I'll just have that hood, and she'll be waddling all over the place. But I got it. You know what, Daddy? That kind of hurts, but I'm still glad you got it. And then she'll start riding. Wait a minute, Daddy. Get a hold of my hood again. Get a hold of my hood. God says, you just go right ahead. I got you. I got you. Whoa, that felt a little weird. Straighten back up. Sarah Bet, you got to balance. You got to get your balance right in the middle. What do you mean? What's balance? I was with my children years ago in in vacation. Um, Pete was probably three years old. And we were trying to play a card game. Where are you at, Pete? And we were playing some gar- card game like uh, Go Fish or something pretty simple. Old Maid. And uh, I said, Pete, draw a card. Some of you may have heard this. Pete didn't do anything. Pete, draw a card. Didn't do anything. I'm like, Pete, draw a card. You know, it's not even funny anymore. Now it's the principle. You're going to draw a card. We'll sit here all night. You can draw that card. You ever had a kid who wouldn't eat broccoli? We'll sit here all night. You're going to eat that broccoli. You're going to eat it. You're going to eat it. It's not an option. So you know what he did? He took his finger and he started writing on the card. 
And then it dawned on me. He doesn't know. He thinks he needs to draw on the card. You know, it broke my heart. Here I am yelling at him. But he didn't understand. But it was a perfect picture for me. God doesn't do that. God never does that. God understands it all. He understands that Pete didn't know what it meant to draw a card. But Daddy didn't. And Daddy started losing his, his temper. Rather than slowing down saying, Pete, do you not understand? What do you think I mean when I say draw a card? You see, that would have explained it and he would have responded. But God doesn't lose his patience with you. Everything that you've been battling and falling down, God is still just as patient as the first time you tried it. His patience doesn't run thin. God is a God of wrath, but it's not because he's gotten impatient. You hear that? Sometimes God does does, uh, respond in wrath. God is a God of wrath. Do we all, do y'all know that? God's a God of wrath, but he never responds out of impatience. We respond out of impatience. He didn't come to a throne in Caesar's palace. He came touching the untouchable lepers. He hugged and kissed the outcasts of society. In the final days of his life, he wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed the dirty feet of his disciples in the upper room. In the greatest demonstration of love, he allowed Herod's men of war to slap him, to spit on him, to mock him, to crown him with a crown of thorns, and finally nail him to a cross made of wood which he created can you grasp i don't know if i don't know if you can grasp that that the cross he's hanging on he created why because god is patient as we read this in first corinthians 13 god is saying if you have my love you will be patient with those that you love. You will be patient with your wife or with your husband or with your children. You will be patient with your boss at your job. You will be patient with your pastor and other spiritual leaders. You'll be patient. Number two, love is kind. The Phillips translation says, love looks for a way to be constructive. Kindness is love in action. Kindness is the ability to love people more than they deserve. Do you kind of see that love is a decision? If you wait for the feeling, you're not going to get it. Some people just get on your last nerve. And you have to decide, I'm going to love this person. I think after a while, it, it becomes, it, it can become an emotion. But sometimes you just have to make the decision. You're not lovable, but I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to let you continue to abuse me, but I'm going to love you. Let me tell you, that's hard. And that takes God. You can't love like Christ without Christ.
Say it again. I don't. I don't mean physically abuse. Uh, I, I, I probably did come out wrong. But people treat you wrongly. People that treat you wrongly. Wrongly. I don't mean a husband that is abusing you. You just love him right through it. No, I don't agree with that. Um. Do you hear me? Or a or a a, a controlling spirit. I'm not condoning their action. I don't. I don't want to get. I don't want to go down that road. Do you hear me? People that you work with or people that you're around that don't treat you kindly becomes a decision to love. And I'm telling you, it'll penetrate them. It may not work at first. It may not work in a year, but it will eventually penetrate them. I believe. I believe God will move in their life. Woman may say, my husband doesn't deserve kindness. Let me respond with, give it to him on credit. We do everything else on credit. Do it because God says to do it. Get on God's page. Not on your emotions page. Not on your spouse's page. And I don't mean come against your spouse. I'm, I'm digging myself in so many different areas. I'm just saying do it for God. Do it for God. Do you want to do something great for God? Be kind to his children. Kindness is a language that the deaf ear can hear and that the blind eye can see. Next, love does not envy. Do you think someone loves you? Go and buy yourself a brand new Mercedes that has all the trimmings and go pull up by your next, to your next door neighbor. You'll know if your friend, your neighbor loves you or not. There's nothing that depreciates a car faster than when your neighbor gets a new car. Isn't it funny, the feelings you can have just, just in life? You know, sometimes I think those feelings are gone and I've gotten over that until God just says, nope, boop, there it is, still there. Paul, you don't have it all together. You're right, God, I don't. A person generally criticizes the individual whom he secretly envies. The man who belittles you is trying to cut you down to his size. When you respond to somebody belittling you, all you do is come down to his level. When you feel yourself turning green with envy... You are ripe for trouble. Love envieth not. Love is not jealous. Love is not possessive. One husband once said, My wife isn't jealous of my secretary. She doesn't care how good looking my secretary is. Just as long as he's efficient. Some of you will catch that later. He, the secretary, is a man. Wives will say, my, my husband's jealous of me because men are looking at my wife all the time. Let me just reply. Don't get angry when somebody admires your wife. They're complimenting you on your intelligent choice. If they put their, your, their hand on your wife, cut it off at the elbow and hand it back to them.
James Dobson said, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back to you, it's yours. If it doesn't, it never was. But then there's another version. If you love something, set it free. If it doesn't come back to you, track it down and beat it to death. Envy possesses. Envy possesses. Love releases. You see the difference? Love is not controlling. Love is not controlling. Husbands that control your wives, quit doing it. Wives that control your husbands, stop doing that. You know, parents control their kids. And kids control their parents. When you possess something, you smother that person. The more you smother and hover, the more that person fights to get free. The harder you try, the harder the struggle. It's a fight for emotional survival. Turn loose. Love your partner without envy, without jealousy. Set him free. If he's yours, he won't leave you. If she's not yours, there's nothing on earth you can do to keep her. Finally, for tonight, there will be four more next week, but for tonight, this is the last one, I think. Love does not boast. Love does not put itself on display. Love makes no parade. Love has no pride. And love is needed by those who deserve it. Love is needed most by those who deserve it least. I've said that over and over. The world is easy to love. It's that jerk next door that's the real problem. You know, it's easy to love a stranger that you don't get to know. We can come in and show love to visitors. But when we start really hanging out is when the rubber meets the road. A honeymoon is often defined as that brief period between I do and you'd better. Sorry, I didn't mean to look at you. I don't I don't think that at all. <laughs> Sometimes you just make eye contact right after a comment and it's like He did not say that about me. Do you want a 21 gun salute because you picked up your socks out of the floor? Honey, did you notice what I did today? I picked up my clothes. I love you. Love does not parade itself. You know, I will tell you that that a woman knows when you really love her and when you don't. When you're playing a game and when you genuinely love her. If you remember, love is not sex. Us men get that kind of confused every now and then. But it's not. Is everything you do the act of a prima donna? Are you pretentious? Are you pompous? Do you strut around like a peacock? I would ask you, as as we've gone through these, these four things tonight, examine yourself. Don't allow yourself to know you need to change and not change. When you know that you're off track and you don't make a change for the right track, what are you saying? 
What are you saying about yourself and what you think about yourself? I would encourage you, church, try to change something each week. Try to change something. And I would encourage you here, patient, kind, envy, and boast. Try to change something this week. Try to love on somebody this week that you've not been able to love on your your whole life. Just make a gesture. Make an effort. God's going to come to your rescue. God is ready to come to your rescue. Do you know that? He is so capable. Can you imagine what?